For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we do each week, to join us here this morning. And we trust that you are in this place with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Using a movie illustration in a sermon is a tricky thing. It's tricky, especially for me, for a couple reasons. First of all, there's the risk of congregational fatigue. Every time I say, you know, this reminds me of a movie, I'm half waiting for the collective groan to rise up from the crowd. Another movie illustration. So it really has to work. Of course, on the flip side, a really good illustration can threaten to take over the sermon altogether. I've had people say things to me like, I really liked your sermon about Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) And then not be able to tell me what Saving Private Ryan had to do with Jesus. It wasn't really about Saving Private Ryan, you know. And thirdly, a risk you run when you use a movie illustration in a sermon is that people will take it as a recommendation of the movie. I've definitely had people come back the next week and tell me that they've gone home and watched a movie that I preached about. Again, I'm preaching about Jesus, people. But I've had people go home, watch a movie, and then come back perplexed. That was terrible, they'll say. Or worse, inappropriate. So hear me clearly when I say this. I'm about to mention a movie to you, but I do not recommend it. It's not good or even very funny, and it does have inappropriate things in it, but there's a moment in it that I couldn't get out of my head as I was thinking about the introduction to this sermon this morning. I'm talking, of course, as I assume you already figured out, about Hot Tub Time Machine. (laughs) Now, outside of Snakes on a Plane, Hot Tub Time Machine wins the award for movie whose entire premise is right there in the title. What's it about? Well, it's about a hot tub time machine. Four friends have a wild party, fall asleep in a hot tub, and wake up in the 1980s. And after a day spent walking around trying to figure out why 80s fashion has returned and MTV is showing music videos again, they reconvene at the hot tub and slowly realize what has happened. But of course, it's so ridiculous that no one wants to admit it. And finally, one of the characters says to the others, as they all stare down into the hot tub, he says, you're going to make me say it, aren't you? This is some kind of, and then he looks up directly into the camera and says, hot tub time machine. (laughs) And it's ridiculous, it's foolishness, but eventually someone has to name it. Something completely absurd is happening except that in the world of the movie, it's actually happening. And that's what we're doing here this morning. We're here this morning celebrating something which would be completely ridiculous, except that it actually happened. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us 
who are being saved. It is the power of God. There are a couple of incredible verses in Luke chapter 24 in the immediate aftermath of the resurrection. The women have discovered the empty tomb and they're telling the disciples. Here are the verses, Luke 24, 10 and 11. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. These words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. An idle tale. Peter does run to see the empty tomb, but it's not until Jesus actually appears to them later that they really know that this ridiculous thing has actually happened. I can just imagine them in that room. Jesus appears, shows them his wounds, eats a little bit of food, and then leaves, and they're all standing around astounded. And then Someone says, you're going to make me say it, aren't you? He's back from the dead. It's absurd, ridiculous, foolishness, an idle tale. Except that it's true. Listen to this. Almighty God created the world and set us humans in it. We Rebelled, all of us collectively and each one of us individually. We decided that we wanted to be in charge. The penalty for this rebellion is death, eternal separation from God. But God, loving us, decided to redeem us from our rebellion. And to accomplish that, he sent his son to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserved, and to be raised again. To reunite us to the God we sinned against. The Son's goodness given to us for free. That's the story. Is that an idle tale? Or is that something that actually happened? The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know what this is like? This is like every horror movie I've ever seen. We're really down the movie reference rabbit hole here. I'm exaggerating, of course. It's not like every horror movie, but it's a lot of them. Something crazy is going on, and someone is running around trying to convince everybody else that something crazy is going on, but no one will believe them. It's too Ridiculous. A guy with scissors on his fingers is killing teenagers in their dreams. Ridiculous. Everyone, again, mostly teenagers, who watch a certain cursed videotape is killed by a waterlogged girl who crawls out of the screen. Ridiculous. Death itself feels cheated by a group of, again, teenagers who were supposed to be on a plane that crashed, but didn't make that flight. So now again, death itself is coming after them. Ridiculous. All ridiculous. Unless it's actually happening. 
that last one, the movie is called Final Destination. And death itself is coming after a group of teenagers. This is actually a pretty good illustration of the Christian life, the human life in general. Death is coming. And we can see it. The stakes are exactly the same. We're the ones who can help. We know about a savior, which brings us to the relatively simple interpretation of 1 Corinthians 1, 10 to 18, which we read this morning. Paul makes this claim that the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So Paul plants the church in Corinth, and now he's getting reports back about how it's doing. And Chloe's people have sent him word that there are divisions in the church, right? Some people are saying, I follow Paul. Some are saying, I follow Apollos, one of Paul's partners in ministry. Some are saying that they follow Peter. This is totally normal human behavior. This makes sense to us. The people are trying to claim status. In the community. I had dinner with Apollos right here in my home. I have Paul's cell phone number. We all do the same thing. We want to be in the most important group associated with the most important person. This is why people keep political bumper stickers on their cars and yard signs in their lawns after the election is over. I voted for the winner. Me and the governor, we're together. This is all understandable, but Paul comes flying in and he's not having any of it. Are you guys crazy? He says. You're fighting about this? Freddy Krueger is coming and I've given you an escape. I've introduced you to a savior. Jesus is what's important. Wanting to be associated with High status. Makes all the sense in the world. (laughs) I have a picture with the apostle on the wall in my den. The world would never call that ridiculous. They call it wisdom. What the world calls ridiculous, foolishness, is the notion that we're all sinners. Utterly incapable of saving ourselves. Who need a savior sent directly from almighty God. And yet that's exactly what Paul says into this situation in Corinth. Christ is not divided. It was Christ, not Paul, who was crucified for you. The governor's not going to save you, and you can't save yourself. You can be saved by Jesus Christ. We are the kings and queens gathered here of things that the world finds ridiculous that the world sees as foolishness. You have a God, they sneer, who decides for himself what proper behavior is? Ridiculous. You have a God who cares about what people do in the privacy of their own bedrooms? Ridiculous. You have a God who has a design for what the family should look like? Ridiculous. You have a God who thinks what's happening in your heart is more important than what you actually do? Ridiculous. You have a God who wants you to love and forgive your enemies? Ridiculous. This is all ridiculous. Unless it's actually true. 
And if it's true, there's one more ridiculous thing. We have a God who loved us, his rebellious creation, in this way. He sent his son to live for us, to die for us, and yes, to be raised again from the dead for us, to reconcile us to himself forever. And he accomplished this outside of anything good we might do on account of the good that Jesus Christ did for us. It sounds ridiculous. It seems like foolishness. And yet, it's true. It strikes me that we put these things into words every week. We're going to say the creed here in about 30 seconds. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. Begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. We look, we say, for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. The world hears these things and shakes its head. Ridiculous. Foolishness. And yet we stand and proclaim them every week. Jesus was raised from the dead and on his account. So are we. So, what do you think? Are these ridiculous things too ridiculous for you? Is it like the disciples thought on that first morning, just an idle tale? The disciples were only able to doubt to assume it was an idle tale until Jesus actually showed up in their midst. And today, through the scriptures, in our worship and in our love for each other, Jesus shows up here too. That is his promise to us. He promised to be wherever people gathered in his name. And he is here, even now. So, if you already believe that this seemingly ridiculous thing is true, reaffirm that faith. Double down on it. Say the creed with a renewed vigor. And if you don't yet believe, listen to me now. I know it sounds ridiculous, but we were all supposed to be on that airplane that crashed. And death is coming. And it's not a movie. This is how real life goes and how real life ends. As the doors sang, no one here gets out alive. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. It's not our final destination. I have good news to proclaim to you. There is a God. He is real. And he has raised his sinless son from the dead for your sins. It may sound ridiculous and the world will call it foolishness, but it's true. It really happened. Believe me. Believe in him 
and let us live forever. Amen.